Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Red Rocket. Joining me today, he would never sleep naked while couch surfing. It's John Police. John, what's going on? <laughs> Josh, you can't do that to me. Uh, I, I, I am happy to be here, even if I'm not as well endowed as Diamond Rex is in this film. God, well, I mean, like, God. God, you know what? You don't have to depress me and like make me feel, feel inferior just to start the thing. My last episode was in Canto, and I got and I recorded that the Sunday before the Monday after coming back after New Year's. And I like the first thing Denise said on that podcast was like, Oh, I got the Sunday scaries. I'm like, Don't remind me tomorrow's Monday. Uh, but yeah, so now, now I got, now I got to get, uh, now I'm just depressed. I'm not as blessed as Simon Rex. Red Rocket is the uh, newest film though, from uh, writer, director, uh, Sean Baker. Uh, it's his follow-up to 2017's The Florida Project. Much like his prior films, this one is, you know, uh, done on a very uh, small scale and uses a lot of actors that most people have never seen before and uh, focuses on a part of the world that doesn't necessarily get a lot of attention. It tells the story of Mikey Saber, who uh, is a former male porn star that returns to his downtrodden Gulf Coast hometown of Texas City, Texas, which is kind of like a, a suburb of Galveston. He, uh, we, as we see him, he's just on a bus back with bruised up and with n- nothing to his name other than the clothes on his back. He has to kind of go uh, talk his way into the home of his uh, estranged wife, Lexi, and her mother, uh, Lil, and just to find a place to stay till he can try and get a job. But, you know, getting a job isn't so easy when you have that kind of unconventional resume, though he, you know, gets a job, uh, you know, just uh, selling weed like he did back in the day, Uh, though, when he's kind of wandering around a donut shop, uh, he happens to a, a young girl teenager uh, happens to catch his eye. Uh, her name is uh, Strawberry or Rayleigh, and he strikes up a relationship with her, seeing the potential to maybe turn her into the porn star that would get him back into the game. But at the same time, he's also uh, using Lexi to uh, just for his own means and uh, possibly trying, possibly leading her on in a way that uh, you know isn't the nicest thing. And we f- f- see him trying to juggle all this stuff and really just not be a great person. Uh, John, I want to ask you first, because I, I think based on the first question I'll ask you, because based on the messages I was getting from you after the movie, I, my, my first thought was, uh, cause I knew you were very excited about this movie and, uh, and anticipating it. I mean, not only cause you actually seem to have a little bit more of a concept of who Simon Rex was prior to this than like I did, but also just, I mean, like, I think we like Sean Baker, you were pretty excited about this. And my first question for you though, is after, after watching this and seeing what you were sending me after the movie. Did you have less fun than you expected at this movie or did you have fun? Oh God, how do I answer a question like that? Um, I know it's kind of loaded because I, I have very complicated feelings based on the amount of fun I think I might've been having. So, uh, but it seemed I mean, like, you, it seemed it, like it, you were just kind of like, it just seemed like you might've just kind of felt terrible. Uh, if an elevator drops 40 stories and stops right before the bottom so I don't die, is that fun? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I was thinking of this in my head. I think this was the most stressful movie experience I've had since I saw Uncut Gems. Where it's I've like- seen that, I've seen that name dropped a lot. I like, I, and I, I actually, I, the entire movie is just like gritting your teeth of like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it's very stressful. And I think it's the kind of movie just overall- that I think convinces you to root for people and then it kind of makes you hate yourself for rooting for them. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that I was so down on myself for how much I wanted Cyberx's character to like succeed at the end said a lot about like how effective it is in terms of like the story it's telling. Yeah, I think a lot of it just turns on how you feel about that guy, obviously. He's the central character of this movie. My understanding of Simon Rex is that, you know, he he appeared some in some of the scary movie sequels. He was an MTV VJ. He uh, had a uh, like a, just a fledgling rap career as a, a guy named, what, St- Stink Nasty or something like that. Um, do, do, you know, do you know off the top of your head what that name is? Now I'm wondering if I got that wrong. Uh, uh, I think it's, so, it's Dirt Nasty. Dirt Nasty, that's it. Dirt yeah. Nasty. And he had his own little... Uh, uh, he dipped his toe in the water in the adult film industry, though I think it was uh, more like uh, just uh, solo scenes, for lack of a better term. So uh, just a very odd career leading up to this, and it just shows how inspired Sean Baker is in his casting. He also cast Susanna Son, who uh, played Strawberry, just because he just happened to see her out at a movie theater one night with his wife and thought, oh, she looks interesting. I'm going to stay in touch with her. Like, he, he, he makes choices like that that are unconventional, and apparently he just been, been thinking about Simon Rex for a while. And, I mean, I think, the like... I think everything about the way I feel about this movie kind of turns on how I feel about that guy throughout. And I'm curious, uh, what was your point of reference for Simon Rex coming into this? And just like, how, how do you, what was your reaction to how he did playing such a complex character? 
So my actual background with Simon Rex is something that you didn't mention, which is that he was the, so there's a mid 2000s, I believe it was WB at the time, maybe CW, um, sitcom called What I Like About You that was Amanda Bynes and Jenny Garth. And for the first season, Simon Rex plays the live-in boyfriend. So it's like the three of them are the entire show. And so hmm. I watched a couple episodes of this a couple of days ago. It is not as good as I remember it from when I was 14. Um, but it was like that kind of slapstick. Like I can kind of tell, you can kind of tell he was written out and they brought in a different actor to play her boyfriend for the other three seasons. But like kind of that, he has this charm to him where like, he's so, for lack of a better word, beautiful. He just has a beautiful face. And so he has this charm to him. And so it's really interesting to see not only that, but like, I think the way Sean Baker is using him here just broadly, I think spoiler, but like the fact that he does have this history, I, it was literally like two solo scenes that he did in like the early nineties. It's very little. It's just kind of haunted him in a way. And he talks about that in some of the profiles, but I think there's something really interesting about like, not only this very charming, like over the top persona that he's had in all these roles, whether it's the MTV, like like interviewers, whether it's like this like rap career, like there's just a lot of things where it's like, oh, he has a lot of charm to him. And like the best way I can like summarize this movie, like broadly is just how much of a charm offensive it is by Simon yeah, it, Rex. Like, I, was, I was about to say he, it, it weaponizes his charm. That was, a, that was what I was about to say. It weaponizes it, but not just weaponizes it, but like it almost like wears you out through it because he talks like, if anyone has listened to any of me on these episodes, I talk fast. I process fast. He was talking so fast that I was like, like exhausted by the end of this movie. He, he is a constant motor mouth. He's always moving. And it's one of those things where you can not only see the way he works on the audiences because he wears them down, but you can also tell the way he wears down the other characters in the world where like, whether it's Lonnie, whether it's uh, Lexi, there are just a lot of people here that he's able to, through the combination of charm and wit and just like speed. Yeah, he's able to kind of defang. And so it's a very interesting thing where like, you're almost getting, you almost get the Simon Rex experience as an audience member, the same way the characters in the world are getting the Mikey Saber experience. Yeah, it's it's just funny that like you know I, I mean who wouldn't want to take a role in a in a in a, in a Sean Baker movie because he makes really really interesting movies but it's like to, to to sign up for something where you're like I don't know playing such like a guy that just about everything he does is actually pretty horrible but just like knowing you're gonna do that but like going headfirst into it and in, in, in such a way where it's like you don't completely alienate yourself from the audience like it it's like such a it's such a risky. Th- tightrope to walk and he does it and my my one thing i wanted to tell you after i fi- after i finished watching was like i think i loved it but i think it fucked me up because i i was second guessing myself the whole time and i, I give sean baker a lot of credit for like being very uncompromising and like not making this like a hero's journey where this guy learns a lesson and i i, I respected how unique that was and at the same time like i hated myself for like not hating mikey more and that was what i kept going back to like there were so many things the movie could have done to like make him more redeemable and it just like turns away from it. They could have made strawberry 18 years old just to try and make the audience feel a little better. And they didn't even do that. You know, it's like, we're going to like make this guy like the, the, the lowest of low and you're not going to, and, and, and you're going to have to be confronted with the fact that you are actually kind of charmed by him. And I, I, I really respected that even if it made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. And I, I don't want to go to spoilers yet, but I would just say that like, I think the fact that it wears you down to the point where you are rooting for him is then weaponized against you at the end of it. And I think there's a way that like, you hate, you're like, who the fuck is this guy? And then as it goes, it's like very, um, I, I'm trying to figure out what the right theater term is for this. It reminds me a lot of like um, Gilbert and Sullivan where there's a pattern to it. Like the way he talks is almost like rhythmic. There's a, it's not just rambling. It's like very staccato. It's very, he, you can kind of like, there's like a, an energy to it. And I think there's something about the way that you were kind of sucked in because like, if you, like, I saw it three days ago. You saw it like the day before I did. If I, I can pull out images of scenes, I can tell you sequences. I don't know if I could tell you exactly where every single thing fits in that. Because I think the entire movie is such a run through that I think it blurs together in a way that I actually think is a compliment to it. But I also think says a lot about the fact that like, it all draws you in and it's all of a part and all fits together so well. And I would just say more broadly, like sitting here with you right now, if I just think through like the facts of the plot of this story and the fact that I was as upset with how it ended as it did, 
blows my mind. You think about the Florida Project, which is a movie that I absolutely adored. I think it's a beautiful movie, but I think that like, it's a movie that I think the ending is less important than the journey of it. I don't feel like the ending is the important thing about it's a, it. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice note and a very uh, unique movie making movie making style choice, but it's certainly not as uh, like profound as everything else that came before it. Yeah, and we'll get back to that when we talk about the ending because there's a lot of parallels there. But it's ultimately a movie that is about the experience of these people living like in these motels near Disney World, like kind of this lower class. And the thing about that movie is you're not sitting on the edge of your seat being like, when's it all gonna end? There's a lot of stress and there's a lot of other things, but this movie you're watching and you're like, there's no way this is how this ends. There's no way that he gets away with all this. There's no way this all works out. Like also you're just like, this can't happen. Like, absolutely not. But in the journey of that, I think there's something that like creates dread. Like you, I don't even think you necessarily know where that's going to come from. I like, I think it, it creates such a complex and such a clear world that I think when you're trying to look around, like what are the corners that are going to actually cause the downfall of this guy? I think it's very hard to see exactly where they're coming from. Yeah. I guess we can do a spoiler section for the very end, but I, I, I yeah. Cause I mean, that's, it's, it's really just like a lot of, you can really speculate a lot on it, I suppose. But I mean, I think, it, I, I think I, like I had, I'd already mentioned anyway, though, that like he talks a lot in this movie about like, wanting to like turn this girl into a porn star and we're also confronted with like what's happened to his wife who uh had a very like uh quick uh stint in the industry and that informs the entire movie basically when you're just like he he's like has no qualms about like just plotting and scheming to uh use strawberry as his like as his way back even though he's literally like living with someone whose life has just gone in like a really uh, not great direction by, from everything we see. And uh, is we're referenced to how uh, Lexi at some point, like was turning tricks and all that. And, you know, you know, at the end of Florida project, I'm I'm forgetting the, I'm forgetting the the, the mom's name, but she gets taken away, you know? So it's like, you're, you're, you're not conditioned to necessarily think a Sean Baker movie is going to have a happy, like a happy ending, but you're like, he can't really just have this be like, he turns this girl into a porn star. Can he like, you're thinking that the whole time, like you said, it's like, then like, how, how can this end? Like I, you're, you're certain, and, and it's like, okay. And it's like, also like, um, I don't know. I, I don't even need to talk about like the, the other big uh, relief that Mikey has throughout the movie. I can save that's for spoilers too, but it's like, you can't, yeah. it's, it's literally like that. He can't keep getting away with this meme. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's like that for a whole movie. And I think there's something, so I think it might be worth it to kind of talk about the different relationships that are key in the, in the film, because I think there's kind of like three different sets of the really important like relationships. And like, obviously there's Lexi and Lil, his still wife and her mother, there's the strawberry aspect. And I think there's the Lonnie aspect, which is a little bit different than the Lexi mm-hmm. and strawberry parallels. But I think I want, I kind of want to start with the Lexi and Lil, because I think that is by far I think that's the hardest to suss out the entire movie because the relationship has so many ups and downs. So like the movie starts again, uh, just as a framing device where like the movie opens with him on a bus with bye, bye, bye playing. And then he wakes up and then walks all the thing and then shows up at her door. And you start with this just like firecracker scene of the two of them, him at the door, basically being like, can I stay on your couch? You don't know where he's come from. You don't know, like at that point and you get bits and pieces of what's happened, but basically he was a porn star. He's clearly like, he talks about it moments. He's like fucked up personal relationships with all different places. He's 47. So he's not exactly hmm. a, a spring chicken or at least Simon Rex is 47. I'm not sure exactly how, no, how I, th- I think they say in the movie he's, or maybe, I don't know. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's not young. Um, yeah. But there's this, like you have just from the beginning that, and then you go from this very contentious starting relationship where like, again, the movie has a little bit of a groundhog day thing where every day Lil wakes him up to watch uh I don't know which uh, daytime TV court drama this was, but it's one of the one of those where it's like mm-hmm. who, like Judge Judy type show that she's turning on the TV to watch because he's sleeping on the couch. And you go through the angles of their relationship where he's trying to get a job, he's like doing all these things, he starts selling drugs, but you have kind of the ebbs and flows of their relationship where Lexi and him start to I don't want to say rekindle because that's not quite it, but they um come to a truce. Like obviously they start having sex, they start like being on better terms, but like. Come to an arrangement for sure. Yeah, arrangements, right? Because they're using each other. It's not. It's not love. It's very much co-use. But there's a lot of really interesting things in there. Where again, the way the story is told, you don't get all of it. There's not a big scene where she's like, "I was turning tricks to pay rent, and now I'm here." But like, 
Lil at one point is like, she was on Craigslist. Like, you, like we're not doing that again. Like you better, you're like, this is the things that you have to do. And so you get the little bits of it, but you have kind of, you, you go through the entire like first act arc where they go from being really bad to kind of coming back together a little bit. He's sleeping in her bed, they're having sex and that's all going fine. And then you start to get Strawberry. And first of all, I just want to say on a side note, incredible Gen Z names they picked in here. They, the other one is, oh God. What, Rayleigh and Strawberry? Or her no, names? What's, the, what's the boyfriend's name? Oh. It was something very funny too. Yeah, it was. Now I'm uh, uh, Nash. Yeah. Nash, Nash. Yeah, just like, <laughs> there's a lot of names where I was just like, I, I, I enjoy what you're doing here. But there's like, the, the beginning of this is that he takes Lexi and Lil to go like on a donut date. Basically he's been selling weed. He's got some money. And I can't remember if there, I believe there was a fight that they had where they were like, you want to get out? Fine, get out. And he's like, okay, I'd like you to get donuts. And like, so they walk however many miles, this donut place is not close. It seems like, but they walk to the donut place. He buys a bunch of donuts and sees Rayleigh who is, um, I think she's pretty. I am gay. I don't have a great like female practicing this radar. She seems fine. I don't think she's anything to write home about, but she she's fine. And so she's behind the counter and they buy some donuts and buy some cappuccinos. And then he sees her by the counter. And basically the next sequence, this is basically him grooming her where he go, he finds out when she works on Wednesdays, he comes in and does that. And so you have this really interesting thing where the movie sets you up to think this is going to start being about Lexi and Lil and him coming back and like the relationship here and being in this, like coming back, basically coming home kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it is. That, that gets pulled out from you real quick as it turns in as the strawberry relationship starts to develop, you start seeing like- He thinks he's better than home. He thinks he's better than them, but also you get the sense that she's she's seen this before. She knows where this is going. She knows what's gonna happen. But uh, by that I mean Lexi, but you have the really interesting word that relationship goes down, but it's not, there are a lot of places I think you could imagine firecrackers happening earlier in that, but it's kind of just a slow burn. Whereas, He's just like, oh, I'm not up for sex because he just had sex with Rayleigh in the back of a pickup truck or whatever. And so there usually have little cracks in that, cracks in these things, and it kind of explodes. But I think the thing that's really interesting about both of those relationships is that I don't think they should work. Like it does, neither of those pieces of the story, like on paper, should work. And I think it says a lot about how fleshed out the world is that Sean Baker's creating, how good the actresses are, especially. Uh, 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 what's Brie, Elrod. Brie Elrod, who is, I was talking to you before, um, looks like Holly Hunter, like looks like Holly Hunter 40 years later. She has a, she has that. And I think she, we're going to see a lot more of her. I think she's an incredible. Actor. She's like, yeah, she's actually probably the most experienced actor in the thing, but apparently she's just big on the stage. Um, yeah. I, that's also interesting in the, mo- the choice that they have in the movie is that those, those two never find out about each other. Those two characters. Um, at least yeah. we don't, at least we don't see them find out about each other. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, the, the fissures in that relationship happen, uh, with release with, with Lexi, like kind of happened, like she might suspect something, but it's like, it's kind of like all going, a lot of it's going on set at the same time. And it's like you said, it's almost like they're probably falling into some kind of pattern. So. Yeah. And you like, there obviously are implications that Lexi knows he's, he's running around with someone, he knows something's happening, but you don't know exactly what's going to happen. And I think a little bit of the movie that I just want to say briefly is there are a lot of places this could go wrong. If you're thinking about Uncut Gems type of like stressful two hours, whether it's him getting dropped off at a fancier house than he actually lives at to try and pretend and then the woman comes out with like shotgun. And so he has to like do all the tricks of like, oh, I'm gonna get milk. I'll just bike home. Like there's a, there's a high wire act that's happening here the entire time that is both very stressful and also like shouldn't be stressful because you should be rooting for him to fail. And somehow you're not. Yeah. And like, that's, that's the part of this where you're just like, over and over again, you think, oh, this is where it's going to get him. But you're just like, but, but no, like, he's got to get out of here. He's, like, I don't even know, like, well, honestly, I would ask you this. What were you, like, in your head, what do you think the solution was that if there was an ideal end to this movie, and we don't even get into what actually happens, like, during the movie, what did you think where it was going to go? I mean, I thought, I mean, I guess maybe I might have thought it might have just ended up with him, like, I don't know, leaving town, but in a way that wasn't like a hundred percent depressing because they didn't, they might not have wanted to like go out on that low of a note. Um, maybe, maybe that's where I kind of thought I was heading. I don't know. I wasn't like, I, I, I guess I, I was certainly curious, but like, I, I think, I think that's one of the things I really dig about movies is like when I, when I just, when I don't know the answer to that, you know, when I mean, like, when I, when I, when I just don't know where, 
I don't know where it's going. And it's just like, I, that's what I'm most impressed with storytelling, whether it be, you know, I, I was just, I was just thinking, cause I, I literally had that thought the other day about like, I don't know, like certain TV shows or whatever. Like, I, I don't know what's going to happen on station 11 or something like that. You know, like I went in, in, in that kind of storytelling can be present in very different types of stories where this is a wholly different type of thing from a, from like a, d- d- like a, post-apocalyptic dystopian type of show this is very different from that but they're they're both like oh no these are unique i mean well station 11 is based on a book but like these are still like unique enough filmmakers that are like you know just in storytellers that like they can keep you on your toes so i i guess i i guess i didn't i didn't have a huge expectation because i i I couldn't really picture where it's going and that's why I, i think i i still dug the movie even if i kind of felt like shit for not like because I, because I wasn't rooting against him more determined than I was, you know, I, I, I guess I, I, I found myself enjoying myself and then I caught myself enjoying myself and I was like, yeah. And I, I kind of ties in, well, kind of ties into two other things I think you wanted to touch on at least, or one thing I want to touch on, one thing you want to touch on. Uh, but I think they, I think they kind of go together is the politics of this movie, but also the Lonnie character. Uh, and I know you, you, you'd kind of classified him separately from the other relationships he has, but that's certainly an example of a guy he kind of like chews up and spits out in a much different way though. I think that like, we can, I mean, there's, I think there's a certain amount of that you can say without spoiling, but then like, and then we can jump into spoilers, but I'm wondering, did you have other thoughts without spoiling wh- where things go with the Lonnie character on that relationship and how he does use that guy beyond just for rides? Yeah. That was the thing that I think baffled me a little bit to begin with is I got that like they live in this, like, I, I would guess like 800 square foot house. It's like got two bedrooms and like a kitchen and he sits on the couch and the couch, the living room is big enough for a couch and a TV and there's nothing else in that room. And so like, clearly they don't have a car. There's like uh, Lexi's ex's car is sitting on cinder blocks. And so obviously there's a very basic currency of just like a vehicle to go somewhere. But that was a relationship where like, I was very curious what Mikey wants out of that besides just brides. And I don't I th- think well, we ever really know. I think I think the beauty of that relationship. Well, I think he like I think I I think he likes an audience. I believe that, but I think it was for the sake of just like this is someone I can get something out of, and I think it might have just been that basic, of just like this is someone that can that I can use to to get anything I want, and it was just like that simple because, like early on in the Lonnie relationship, you have the day when they go to the mall, and Lonnie's wearing a. Uh, uh, like an army like shirt and then yeah. like i guess he's selling flags in the mall and then he gets like a bunch of arm like actual military guys who are like what the fuck is this like stolen valor yeah and- i was gonna ask you about like what you made of that part of the movie because that was one thing i wasn't sure what to make of it but like the other thing about it is like in that it, it might tie into the politics of the movie a little bit too but like it's very intentionally set in the summer of 2016 we mm-hmm. see uh clips of the 2006 republican convention i think they show a couple clips of like the democratic convention too maybe yeah um hillary accepts this hillary accepts the nomination at one point so they're just watching yeah and so look i i i think some people like were like arguing straw man in this and being like oh no it's the trump porn star movie and stuff like that and i i i, I like arguing against that I haven't, I haven't actually seen that as criticism a lot but like yeah you can draw some parallels between someone like mikey and someone like trump but i don't it's not a one-to-one because i think mikey puts on like such a friendlier facade it's a different way of operating than what trump does even if you know Trump and like, you know, certainly inspires people and can do people in his own in, in his own ways. But, you know, I think there there is something to the fact that like, look, uh, this. Yeah. And he might just be using the guy for his rides. But like, I think he he genuinely seems to enjoy riding around and having someone kind of adore him and uh, think he's super cool. So he's going to brag about all the sexual exploits to this kid. And I so I, I, I think that's certainly one example of how like you know, maybe some of the Trump-like tendencies can kind of manifest themselves in the micro of the story with someone like Mikey, because I think the the larger idea being like, look, this guy might not be like Trump, but we are a country that will like, that will fall for uh, hucksters. And, uh, and, and, that, and that's certainly what Mikey is, if nothing else, even if he like, again, puts on a friendlier face while being just as, just as heinous in Trump in his own way. And I think like we as an audience kind of fall for it a little bit. And that's what you and I keep talking about. It's like, why are we not rooting against this guy? Why do we not hate him? We're kind of charmed by him in the same way within the movie. I think both, I mean, I think Lexi to a certain extent, but like certainly Lonnie and obviously Strawberry, like they all are like, you know, seduced by him in one way or another. So I will say that I didn't think about this as a Trump or Trump America movie. Like, not Trump America, but I didn't think this is a Trump or political movie really at all. I actually think mm-hmm. that, and what we know about, we've talked about this a little bit, but what we know about Sean Baker's political leanings to me says that's definitely not what he was going for, at least in terms of he seems to be a little Trump friendly. 
is the impression we've gotten from some of the interviews he's done. I, what I will say is I think that the local news does two things in the movie. I think there's one thing that's really interesting where I think it creates this really interesting kind of heartbeats, not quite where it creates this kind of stress tendril where again, a lot of this movie is creating this like very heightened, very like, like hyper aware, hyper stressed kind of environment. And I think the other thing it says that I, is something that I've experienced a lot in my life, which I think there's something really interesting about who watches local news and who are the people that have every night at the convention on and local news on every single night, like are very stressed about crime and all these kind of things. And I think it says something about like, Lexi and Lil have nothing. They are barely getting by. They don't have a car. They barely have food. And yet they are watching every single night of this. And like, mm-hmm. they really care about this stuff. And I think there's something really interesting about having that dichotomy between the people who have the least agency and the least like, the least control in the world are also the ones that are the most like obsessed with these things as like kind of their connection. And right, so I right. think Lexi's also quite excited when she gets on the news later. Yeah. And so there's something really like, this is something like my mom watches local news constantly. Every time I go home, like we watch something besides like D- DC local news talking about murder every night. And my mom was like, well, this I, is what we watch. And I'm just like, I, I just got back from visiting my grandpa in Philadelphia for 11 days. And I saw plenty of the same thing. And it's one of those things where I'm like, you have all of cable, you have all the streaming services. Like we can watch anything. And she's just like local news. Like I at least got her to not watch the, uh, the, the worst ones, but like, it's just one of those things where I don't get it. It's just not how I spend my time. And so I think there's something really interesting about like that being the constant in these people's lives is like, we watch the news. And I just, I thought that was something that rang very true. And I think it was also just like, the movie doesn't spend that take place over that much time. It's maybe a month like total. And so it also is one of those things where it's using something that we know very well. We know how far apart the conventions are. We know how long these things take. It's the fact that you actually know in the same way we talked about like the Groundhog Day effect where it's like, wake up every day, you have this, you like know the timing of the movie. Well, yeah, they, they, they mark the time by saying Strawberry is three weeks away from turning 18. And she still hasn't turned 18 yeah. by the end of the movie. Yeah, I actually, that was not what I spent as much more, like that's totally fair. God, she still hasn't turned 18. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I like honestly think there's something really interesting about show like because the thing about this area is I think you could imagine Texas City as anything. I think you could imagine this be it's not that rural actually. If you look at where it is, you're very close. Like there's obviously all the oil refineries are right there. There's a big plot point about don't sell weed to the the oil guys. The hardheads. It's also like yeah, you're not like, like if you look on a map, like obviously there's Galveston's not far. Well, I looked but on like, Wikipedia. I looked on Wikipedia before we started, and it's actually not that much smaller than Galveston population-wise. Like it's like they're yeah. both around fifty-five thousand people. So it's and they make it look smaller for sure. Yeah, and you're just in a very like you have individual like townships have stuff. And the other thing that's really interesting about this area is how long it takes to get from one place to another, despite the fact that it's all like quote unquote close. Like. Yeah, I won't, I won't talk about it because that's the spoil stuff. But I'll say there are points where he walks from one place to another that take very long times that are like probably like 10, 15 miles, maybe like 20 miles. And like there are places that I think if you didn't know that, you wouldn't think they were that far apart. And so I think there's a combination of like distance, but also proximity in this world. But I think ultimately, I think it's just a very isolated, isolated area. And I think that's a really interesting thing where it's isolated socioeconomically, it's isolated interpersonally but it's not isolated that far geographically uh, like, yeah i just looked at yeah it's like 40 miles from houston like not less than an hour yeah. drive from houston it's like basically a, a suburb of houston almost in a way uh so yeah, yeah it, it, it's interesting how he like he, he messes with the setting a little bit he's not hiding where it is but it, it does uh make it feel like a, a little rural and that and in, in ways that end up kind of servicing the plot when mikey has to get from place to place and in, in certain amounts of time or whatever we, we can jump the spoiler section i don't know if there's anything else you really wanted to say that you felt uh, was that essential that didn't really uh, that 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 didn't necessarily entail spoilers? But I mean, I think we we certainly recommend watching this movie because it's like it's it's some pretty great performances in service of like a really like complicated but intriguing story is the way I would put it. So I mean, if you have the opportunity to still see it by the time people are listening to this, it'll have, I mean it might still be hopefully like working its way around the country at that point. But I I mean I certainly recommend it if you don't mind like kind of being challenged by watching some uh, mostly watching a guy just do horrible stuff for two hours. Yeah, I mean, like, to be more explicit about it, like, most of the movie is him, like, slowly grooming the 17-year-old to, like, have sex with him in truck beds. And so Mm -hmm. there is a large amount of it where it's just, like, 
him like selling drugs behind the counter or finding out when she works. And she's like very, very gross, but him, also he, like or him forcing this girl to break up with her high school boyfriend and by yelling <laughs> by yelling at the guy about like how he's like hooked up with 1300 women or something like that, you know, saying it very earnestly and seriously too. Or, or then the scene where he gets the shit beat out of him, not only by Nash, by Nash's parents in the donut parking lot. And you're just like, okay. (laughs) But I would just say like broadly, I think it's a magnetic performance. I think it's a really good movie. I also think that it will linger with you. I think it's one of those movies that like, I'm going to be thinking about for a while. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about what I'm thinking with. I'm thinking about what it says about me. That, like, I, yeah, that, that, like that I did that. Like, I mean, it's made me look inward by the fact that like, I wasn't like, just like, I, I wasn't like screaming at the screen, telling this guy to go fuck himself. Like the whole time. I'm like my bad person for like, not like being as repulsed by this guy as I probably should have been. It, it really makes you look inward, but like, there are certainly moments of fun to be had also, despite everything we're saying, it's just, you're going to second guess yourself for like indulging in those moments, I would say. <laughs> and, and the only thing I'll say before we move to spoilers is I think it's not as cut and dried as you think morally by the end of it. I think there are there are some interesting character choices. There are some interesting things that make both everyone complicit and like everyone has their moments. And I think there's something really interesting about like emotionally where you come down on that. And so I will be thinking about the last 20 minutes of this movie for a while. Mm. Um, well, on that note, people can go away if they don't want to hear about the last 20 minutes of this movie. Uh, and then and, and, and then come back and uh, listen to us uh, talk about it. But uh, I, well, I guess it's probably, I mean, the movie's actually kind of long. It's like two hours and 10 minutes. Uh, but yeah. like, I, I think like, it might not, it might not even be within those last 20 minutes, but it, one thing I wanted to note was that I thought that the actual uh, car accident scene was shot kind of funny. And that like, I didn't, I didn't even totally register as like being as big of a deal as it was. I, I get it, These movies are on a budget. They're not going to be able to pull off yeah. like a multi-car, uh, a, a multi-car interstate crash. Uh, that's just not in the budget of a Sean Baker movie. So like, I didn't realize how big of a deal it was to like, after they started like talking and he told them to like go pull over and like get out of the way. And like, it was a that- weird device. I think, I think it's weird to have him telling like missing an exit, literally pulling in like idiots, Reddit idiots in cars, like move of going across traffic and causing an accident be like, it, it, this is a little bit, it's a fake out. Cause it's not really the ultimate like plot point of the movie, but it, it, it's a little weirdly shot. And it's a little bit out of nowhere. where like of the things that I thought might come of that relationship. That was not where I saw that going. And it's also, um, it's also like not uh, just to put my lawyer hat on for a second. It's not the kind of thing that would, uh, send someone to jail for that long unless they were drinking yeah. you know I mean, it's just not and it's probably not going to prevent him from having a career in porn if he wants to go back to having a career in porn uh again it's just it's a device and i think it kind of gets him to where he needs to be and that like he but uh, i think so he, this is the thing about this movie though and we didn't talk about it in the last spoiler, but like there's a lot of like these sequences that are just fascinating images whether it's rayleigh playing the piano topless of bye 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 in bed there are just a lot of these moments where you're just like holy fuck what's happening and like it probes your brain and the marketing of this movie uses and i hadn't watched the trailer beforehand but you've seen the poster it has simon rex on the bike smiling riding down the street and the fact that that moment in the movie happens after he's thrown lonnie under the bus and gotten away with it literally made me want to crawl out of my own skin like the <laughs> fact that like talk about using images and things and juxtaposing what you think that image is going to mean for what it actually means and the fact that like like i i like wanted to vomit i was just like oh my god this is like that the joy moment of all these trailers is him like happy on this and that's after he's like managed to convince lonnie to take all the fall for it and i was just it's it's on one hand again it's a little bit of a fake out you think that's going to be what gets him and it's not but I mean, like, I also like, I also like, I mean, well, that too. I mean, that, it, 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 I, I had the same thought as you, like, I, like, I picked up on that right away when it happened. I was like, oh, this is like a total, like, uh, this is like a total misdirect from when you were expecting that image to pop up. I, I feel the same way about the scene where she's playing uh, the, the piano topless or whatever. And that like, I mean, uh, not, not, not that you really even see the full image in any of the marketing for the movie, but I didn't understand like, I, I don't think I knew enough about the movie going in to realize like that she was like, it was like straight up about someone that was almost underage, basically. Like they make it clear that like the age of consent in, in Texas is 16 or 17 or whatever. But like, I just thought like, Oh, like it's also made played- clear in a very gross manner where he just like celebrates the age of the consent on the street. You're just like, God, I hate myself. But he tells um, it with a charming joke and he's like, Oh darn, you're too old for me. Like he, he even, but- he's even like charming at that moment. And that's the thing about this movie is that like, 
it is so look, we talked a little about like it being a um oh my god what is it what's the oscar isaac movie that we talked about um oh it's at lewin davis it's like yeah. a little bit of that like like kind of like comedy of errors cycle of things thing going on but there's also something about this movie where just the cinematography is so beautiful the way it's shot the, the images he creates like there's just something overall about the movie and i think the way that image is used is just so like it makes you want to like throw like your remote at the tv like if you're watching this at home kind of like infuriatingly brilliant like it's just so well done that like you can't you almost are just like oh you really fucked me with that one sean baker good good for you um I guess my, well, no, I, I agree. It, it, it is kind of like just, I don't know, because the movie does up and it's your expectations in some ways like that. And like, I think I went back and watched the trailer before we started recording and the, the like the, the scene in the bedroom, like it shows him on the bed and you just see like, see like her, the, a, a little bit of her shoulder, but it's, I think it's clear enough to know that like, oh, maybe someone is in that scene singing. But like, I mean, it's like, he's just like staring at this girl and like imagining all the things he's going to use her for. It's like kind of in the same way. It's like, oh, you know, when you're watching that in the trailer and you're hearing like the acapella version of Bye Bye Bye, like you don't envision it like actually manifesting itself in a way like where this guy is like leering at this like uh, half naked 17 year old girl imagining how he's going to just like basically be a suitcase pimp for her as the term they use later in the movie. You know, yeah. uh, I get so it's like, oh, wow, like all these images that like in, if, if if framed slightly differently story wise could actually be like kind of beautiful. It's actually like kind of messed up. And it's, again, it, it's just kind of cool how, as I said at the beginning, like Sean Baker is very uncompromising in like making it be like, Oh no, we're not going to like really give you like a moment of sweet relief in this movie. You're going to feel bad about Mikey's moment of sweet relief. Yeah. And like, I just wanted to bring up the imagery just because I think it's, it's that incredible, mm-hmm. but I think it's worth, you want to go into the kind of final sequence in terms of like, everything that happens there sure as far as imagery too i'll just add that like the scene where they're eating outside of her mom's house like it's kind of that that's pretty beautiful but yeah go ahead yeah so i hate myself i'm getting emotional thinking about it my fucking Ah. god um so there's something fascinating about the fact that okay he's gotten he's been drug dealing for a while he's got his three grand underneath the mattress he's ready to go the fact that he tells lexi that he's gonna leave in the morning that is a fascinating character choice because Mm. There, there was something about the fact that everything terrible that happens to him happens because he makes the generous choice of telling her that he's about to go. And I think there's something fascinating about that, which is the one time he could have just left high and dry one day and never looked back. And the fact that he chooses to tell her causes everything that happens in the end of the movie. And I think that's one of those things that still sticks with me. When I think about like, if like he didn't want to hurt her any more than he was already going to yes and by doing that he gave her the ability to hurt him one final time and it's like the, the one moment of humanity he has is like his downfall which is like exactly it's like it makes you realize all right well this guy's definitely not gonna learn a lesson yeah and there but there's also it's just so complicated because on the one hand you're like so upset that lexi and lil are doing this to him but on the other hand you're like you understand the emotions they're going through that scene where he's woken up in the night by uh, Leandra, who is the woman who's the drug dealer, like he has all the drugs. Um, her kids come to like take all his money. And like, you don't even really understand what's happening because he hasn't like the pretense you're given is that he wasn't supposed to sell the hard hats and he sold the hard hats. And that's like a big no, no, but, but you don't also, really know why. Was all of that money actually his, or was that something that he was supposed to be bringing back to them? Was that, or no, that, was I, that his money he'd saved? No, he he had saved. He, okay, he okay, paid okay, them okay. everything they were supposed okay, to. Okay, okay, okay. He hadn't. The only thing that he had on paper violated, as far as I could tell, right. what they were saying in the movie was that he had sold the hard hats. He wasn't supposed to do that. Are we ever given any context as for why that's her rule? My guess is that the hard hats are drug tested, and that's a really good way to get like the like oh, FBI caught. coming yeah, in. So, yeah, yeah. And so I think it's it's high risk, and like it's one of those, especially for him who is like dirt she's just kind of like don't sell them go sell the skate skaters like i don't care Strippers. but i think yeah i think it's one of those things where i think it's very high risk for Makes her sense. but i it wasn't high risk enough that it was worth it for her to stop him until he was gonna leave and then it was just an excuse to steal it and so i again it was kind of one of these things where if, if there was something he'd like again he is a garbage human but it's also one of those things where like as much as playing it straight to drug deal to like save up some money to like 
get a better life for yourself is like, I guess an option. It's just a very complicated thing where like, I don't know what, like we were talking about this a little earlier, but I don't know what I thought this movie was going to end with, but I also know that the fact that I was racking my brain and couldn't come up with it, I think is a credit to the storytelling. I think the fact that you really don't know where it's going to go, but I also think the fact that I don't know what I want to happen in this, I think says more than anything else can. The fact that I am still sitting here being like, like maybe the best solution is that like Rayleigh's parents are like, fuck no. And he just goes back to California by himself with some money and like the hope of maybe getting it back together. Like, I don't know what this looks like, but I think the fact that everything happens the way it does, like that last, the last 15 minutes are like deeply upsetting. <laughs> and Well, I mean, you know, the last 90 seconds are shot in about as surreal a way as the last 90 seconds of the Florida Project. So yep. how did you take that? Did you take it as, are we supposed to actually think there's going to be Mikey's going to get his happy ending or is it just supposed to be, is it Sean Baker punning? Is it in wanting us to like, just use our imagination? How did that strike you in the moment? Because I was just kind of like, oh, well, we're, we're just left to like sit and think about what we've done by uh, putting ourselves through this. And uh, that's enough. And it doesn't actually have to be anything more definite than that. And Sean Baker's fine with that. And I guess I'm fine with that. So how did, how did, how did it strike you that he just kind of like, you know, had this kind of like quick fantasy ending? So I'm going to, Talk about Taylor Swift for a second. Um, uh, you're always a, well, you're always welcome to do that here. There's a lyric in I believe it is not it's not August. Uh, what's the third in the trilogy? It's not Cardigan, not August. Um, Betty? Betty, where it's like the, the last time I'm I'm gonna speak to you, and it's like the it's the tension of before you knock on the door of it, it like the Schrodinger's box of it could be yes or no, and I don't know what that's gonna be. And I think the best way I can try and think about the ending, and I didn't love the ending, I will say. I, everything else it gave to the, the ending to me said that, okay, he thinks she was the, his best like way of getting out of here. But I also like, I think the Florida projects ending is a lot better than this ending. And I think this ending frustrated me because I don't think it actually says much about where the character is going. And so I don't really know, like, I think the Florida project, you, you know, what's going to happen at the end of that movie. And I think in this movie, I, I don't know, like, I he's obviously that's not her at the door, but I don't know what's real and what's not by that point. Like, did he is he dying in a ditch somewhere? And that's just him hallucinating before he dies. Like, did he actually make it to the door, but he's going to knock on the door and she's like, what the fuck is this? And like, ditch him. Like, I don't know what it is, but the fact that he has his entire self-conception of the future built up in the 17-year-old, I think is very well encapsulated by the ending, but I don't know... I think Sean Baker trusts us to like not be totally rooting for him. I guess the way I would look at it is he's kind of like by throwing this image at us, it's kind of just forcing us to again, confront the fact that like, look, you've probably spent two hours maybe actually hoping this guy gets his way. And this is something that would be a little too perfect. And you got to think about like why this would be bad. If this, if he actually, if this actually all worked out for him, this picturesque way that he's like envisioning right in front of you as I end this movie. And you got to go sit with like, why you feel bad for thinking that and uh, what this says about our country that like, Hey, maybe this even would be a possibility for someone to like scheme their way into something like that is and how messed up we actually are. So I'm kind of talking so, out of my, I'm kind of talking out of my ass here, but that's what I, that's one I thing think I think. Sadder you than that. Because yeah. I think that the way that that image is meant to be is I don't think that's a, I don't think that the way the film is structured that that's at all like, I don't think there's any reality that he shows up like that at Rayleigh's door and they are running off together. I think it's sad. I think it's sad for her too. Oh, sure. I mean, like she said a lot of stuff here that's questionable. I, but I think it's more, I think it is holding against us the fact that this is, this is everything he sees as like, like not, maybe this is the right phrase, rightfully his in the world. And like, Mm. (laughs) it's going to be a salvation like that. He's like, this is, this is everything I want out of life. And like, I think there's something obviously very fucked up about that, but I also think there's something about the fact that you have this very, like, I genuinely think there's a possibility that like the end of this movie is that he's collapsed somewhere. This is just the dream he's like, like the fact that he's continuing on is the dream he's created for himself. Well, yeah, you talked, you talked a little bit earlier about like the distances in this movie and stuff like that. And like, I mean, I guess it's a little bit played for last where you're seeing him like, you know, just like run he's already well actually i guess the the naked run through the town or whatever like that that was beforehand but like to even get to her house after that we are led to believe that like he's technically going another town over and going like several miles so 
certainly possible he just kind of like passed the fuck out also. Yeah, it's also weird that he doesn't just like steal the bike and go. I don't quite get that. Or just steal a bike. Like, I'm sure there are bikes on the ground. But I don't know. It's just one of those things where I obviously it's holding against you the fact that you have become emotionally invested in this guy. And the fact that like it's almost the juxtaposition of like you're ups- like how upset you are in that moment combined with like, and this is what he really wants in life. And it's just kind of like, fuck you. And so you're just like, Great. But I also think that I don't think Sean Baker as a filmmaker. And again, I I know this film in Florida product, so I don't know. Like I haven't seen Tangerine. I need to see Tangerine. Um, But I I was planning to do it this week. I just have a chance. But what I will say is that I think you have to have a fundamental empathy for your characters. And I think there's something really interesting here about the line he threads where I don't think Sean Baker is like, look at you, look at the character you liked, like, this is all like such a disaster. I think he understands this character very well, but I also think there's something about it, which is just like, this is the full extent of what this character is. And like making us reckon with that, that I think is different than like condemning us for liking him. I think it's more on the, you are going to understand what this really, like what this truly is. And I think there's something really uncompromising about that. And I also think that, it kind of brings up everything. The other thing about the ending that I will say is that I think the thing about this movie that's so brilliant is the fact that like, it is a linear movie. You start at a moment, you know nothing about this guy's backstory and you understand everything. Like you get the bits and pieces, like it creates such a vivid, fully constructed world. And so I was a little confused at the end where it kind of leaves that path and no longer has like, like I buy a cliffhanger. I would buy a dot, dot, dot or like whatever you want in terms of where it's going i'm not sure exactly what the ending says um and i don't mean that in terms of like it should be definite but i mean that in terms of like i've been thinking about it for like four days straight and i'm still not quite sure what any of it meant like i'm really baffled by it yeah i think there's something to be said for like keeping people thinking like that but also like yeah maybe like you know if, if you would like to be a little closer to making heads or tails of it after some time, I suppose. And I, I, I do, I do think it's something where it's like, 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 like you said uh, before, I uh, maybe you're, you, you were a little more thinking about the ending as you're watching this than something like the Florida project. And I certainly kind of like agree. I, I, I kind of get what you're getting at in like, uh, you know, like the story of that, like doesn't necessarily hinge on the ending as much as it might for something like this. Cause you just kind of like, you kind of know where it's going in the Florida project. You already saw the mom get taken away all that. Whereas like here, like it might help if you had like a little more to hold on to, I suppose. Um, I, I think there's a version of the end of this movie, which could be him on a bus again, bye, bye, bye is playing. And you don't know if Rayleigh's on the bus next to him, but you know, this whole thing's going to start over no matter what. And I think like, I, I think about this as being like a round. I think of this as very like, like again, we were talking about with uh, Inside Lewin Davis, where it's like his own his own mistakes lead him here. His own vices will continue again, and this is a cycle. And that's not what this ending is. This ending is definite in some way, and I don't know if that is because he has become so wrapped up in Rayleigh that like there is nothing else. I don't know if it's the obsession. I don't know if like this whole experience is supposed to change him in some way or like reveal his inner vices. But it's not a perpetuation. Like Florida Project. The reason the fantasy ending of Florida Project works is it's such a it's such a contrast of what you know is actually happening in the world. You know the fact that they're going to go into child protective, you know the mother's been taken away. This is it. And it's the the joy and the childhood and the hope they have versus what's really happening. So there is a real ending that you can envision that you understand what's going on compared to the fantasy you're seeing. And I think here the hard part I struggle with is I don't know what sean baker thinks the reality is of this ending i don't well, know I, I i think also up until like uh because you don't really ever see her like things go south for her because she like fully gets into bed literally and figuratively or literally and business wise i guess with with mikey i think for the most part you see her you see rayleigh strawberry uh, maintain her agency and i think maybe like you know, an interesting place for it to have been like, and maybe, it, it, you know, it, it would have, maybe it wouldn't have felt fit with the vibe or aesthetic as the rest of the movie for it to get there, but maybe it would have an interesting way to end. It would have been to like actually get them back to Los Angeles and then put her in some kind of position where it's like ended at a moment where you like, you see it could go either way for her. And it's like, is yeah. she going to stay out there with him or, or not or something like that? And that would have been a little more interesting. I don't, or a little I, more I, definite, but not too, uh, uh, neatly tied bow. 
Yeah. And I mean, the thing about it again, that it does loop around a little bit is the fact that like, clearly Lexi saw through his stuff eventually and like ditched him in Hollywood. That didn't work out well for her as far as we know said by Mikey, but you do get the sense that people do eventually see through him. He's not like, he is a huckster, but he is a, I don't want to say transparent, but he is fallible. Oh yeah. And obviously someone in LA did, because that's why he's on that bus back at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about Lexi? I know you really were uh, impressed with Brielle Rod's performance. And I feel like there's a little bit about that character we didn't even talk about because there's the aspect of her actually kind of like being a mom and she thinks she's going to like, um, she's hoping, like, back and, hoping yeah. Mikey will be able to help with that. That's one of the things she's like eventually hoping to get out of this from him. I feel like it's, I mean, from where she is at being in the movie where she is like, uh, just like so like ready to just like kick him, kick him to the curb before he even gets off the curb to like where it's like, kind of heartbreaking to see like that she actually like let herself like be tricked into thinking she can rely on this guy i mean it is like just like uh it's like it's like this other part of the movie that's just like just going on as semi in the background the whole time but that is like also kind of crushing because it's just like emblematic of what this guy does to people i i think it was i mean it was i mean it was right there as far as just being a the same level of quality performance as what Susanna sean and um and simon rex are doing yeah, I was a little bit lower on Rayleigh than uh, mm-hmm. than, I, than I think other. I did, I thought the performance was fine. I don't know if the script gives her that much to do, to be honest. Um, I think that whereas Lexi, I was so high on because there's so much there's so much history conveyed in little things. There's it's such a nuanced performance. It's so well done. There's so much you never ha- like. I think there's once or twice where you have like little bits of like their history, but it's it's all conveyed. These are fully lived in people. And I think that the fact that I was so upset to begin with, with how the end of the movie goes, and then you sit back and you're like, well, this is Lexi's ultimate revenge for everything that's happened. And you're kind of like, okay. And I think there's something really interesting about like this, the difficulty of what she's doing, where you have to both be, she has to be both threatening and threatened where she has to be like vulnerable but also like like dangerous and i think she really threads that needle and i think it's a very hard performance and i was very impressed by it and i hope we see her do a lot more stuff yeah it's i think again i think it's a very well cast movie i think it's a very small cast there's like five main characters but overall i think that just I think it's a really good movie. And I think that the the way it all fits together, I think, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think it's a great movie. Go see it. Um, I would agree again. It's like, it's not as unabashedly fun as you might hope for when you just like kind of hear the log line and like watch the trailer. But I mean, at the same time, I, it, it really sticks with you in a way that like, you know, while, yeah, you might kind of feel horrible at points for uh, not being as repulsed by Mikey as you should. I still think it's not something that's like, when I say like kind of messed me up, it like it still did it in a way where I wouldn't I'm, I wouldn't hesitate to go watch the movie again. Like I wouldn't mind going back to this world again, even if like it was really challenging and like really like kind of um, upsetting in certain ways. And like John said, I think like makes you want to crawl to your skin at multiple points. Like, uh, yeah, it does all of that. But at the same time, like, I mean, like as we've alluded to, like Sean Baker shoots it so beautifully and these performances are so great and uh, it never gets like too dark where like any real like uh irreparable harm is done to any one person in such an upsetting way that you can't go back even if like he's doing terrible stuff the whole time like i i would go watch this again just to like appreciate all the parts for sure yeah um what i will say is i i don't want the listeners to think i don't think it's a perfect movie i think it's a little long i think it kind of drags at moments i think it's a very exhausting experience to be honest but it doesn't mean like i think it has a lot to speak for it i think it is I think by far it is the most unique movie I've seen in a long time. I think it has a lot to speak for it. I think it's something that I don't know if that has ever been done. Um, And I think it's really just a fascinating kind of document, if nothing else. I think it's really quite, there's just so much to dig into and understand and look at. Yeah. Well, well said. I hope people find it. I hope it, you know, I, I don't really know if it's gonna do anything with the Oscars, but like, be cool if there's some kind of push for it in the next month as people find it when it comes out and 
you know, maybe, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe Sean Baker will get like nominated for like, you know, original screenplay or something like that, if nothing else, because it just seems like it's a little too loaded in the, you know, the acting categories for it to really uh, break ground there as much as I would like that. John, any other, anything else you want to recommend to people you've been watching before we sign off? Uh, Station 11. You already talked about it. It's incredible. I'm going to watch episode nine once we're done with this. <laughs> yeah. I think I mentioned that in the, in, in the Spider-Man podcast, I still haven't watched, uh, I guess, wait, so eight and nine came out and then like eight and nine the, came out today and tens next week. Okay. So they do one, one for the finale. So yeah, when people are listening to this, it, it will be within like a day or two of uh 10 dropping, I think. So uh, I, yeah, I talked about it at the end of the Spider-Man pod. It's pretty great. And like you said, it's, it's, it's a very, it, or like I mentioned earlier, it's a very fun ride and it's not the kind of TV show where you just know where it's going to end up. It's like, it follows a few different timelines, but you know, in, 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 in the latest one, like you really have no idea what could be building towards because it, it, it's just, it's just such an interesting, like wide, but also actually kind of small world it's created. If you remember, uh, people watched this a long time ago, but like, it reminds me a lot of Westworld season two had like these individual bottle episodes that were incredible. And the rest of the thing with all like trying to connect the timelines, trying to make anything worse garbage. This, this show has like four of the best episodes I've ever seen of TV and everything else is also great. It's just, but they're also just like, it's just incredible. Like I have, I spent all week just like thinking about what episode eight and nine is going to be. Mm. So I'm very excited. I will recommend uh, season three of sex education on Netflix. I, also very uh, good. did you watch season three? Yes. So I'm, I, 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 I've watched all, but the final episode and uh, there is a villain in this season that was wholly unnecessary that I don't think really think they needed. Uh, but I like just about everything else about it. It is what, what I was talking to my friend, Kate, who uh, joined us last year for the promising a woman, young woman podcast. Uh, and she writes about TV for the New York daily news. It cracked her top 10. I didn't quite put it in there because of that villain that I'm alluding to, but I just thought everything else about it was very great to actually, you know, obviously the title is sex education, but for it to actually be as educational as it is while still actually feeling like, it is striving to entertain first, but educate second is like very impressive. I mean, it does some like very, very, I mean, it's probably not educating you as much about some of this stuff. It is talking about with the, with, with like, uh, just like the gay community, but like, I'm, I, I honestly learned a lot from that stuff and I thought it handled it in a pretty uh, good way. And if, if you like the season two, I'm guessing you kind of agreed as well. And I think it's uh, worth watching because of how it handles all that stuff, but also it just gets everything right on a character level for the most part with all these kids. And I think the, um, I think the, like the Otis and Eric relationship is like one of the most interesting things on television. So. Yeah. That said, you're completely right about the villain. And also it felt very much like, creating that kind of like we're going back to 1950s was just a little bit uh i don't know it felt a little bit forced in terms of like it felt a little unrealistic in terms of how an actual place would respond to that yeah in spite yeah i mean in, in, especially in 2021 um this that villain is doing some things that like it shouldn't the, the villain should not be getting away with in 2021 but uh also regardless. great actress and it's kind of a bummer that I wish she got better things to do. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, when she popped up, I just thought it was going to be actually a really great marriage of actress and material, and it just wasn't that. Uh, it, it also made me think of, I mean, I, I don't, do you watch Euphoria? I have watched season one. Yeah, I'm really excited for season two. Yeah, I started a season one rewatch, and like the thing that bothered me about that was I, I wish it had the trust in its characters to like not go full villain like it did with the Nate character at the end of season one of Euphoria. It was like, I just didn't think it needed that. Everything else these kids were going through is compelling enough, and these performances are great enough. You didn't need to have that traditional villain character, and it just goes there with him in a way that like just felt over the top. And not that like a lot of stuff in that series isn't over the top, though. I can't really speak to how much drugs and sex the Gen Zs are, Gen Zers are engaging in these days. It's just a generation removed from me I, I just felt like oh man you guys didn't need to go there with that guy you have like all this really compelling stuff here and i felt the same way about sex education but like everything else in sex education season one or season three was just like so well done that i still i still can't help but recommend it it's very good it's just like i it it, it was like uh one character choice away from being like in my top five shows as, a, as opposed to being like outside the top 10 um yeah euphoria is trying a little hard to make everyone gay in some form and i'm just like okay um so talk about <laughs> a show that's just like a like you want to talk about like the feeling I had during Red Rocket is how I felt during all of season one of Euphoria, where you're just like tearing your hair out, being like, "Oh no, oh no, what's gonna happen? Mm. Don't go on that grinder date with that old dude. Please don't, <laughs> please don't. No." Oh, God. But it's still um, it's still so good though. Like I, I watched the first two episodes in the last couple of days, and I'm gonna like binge it all before uh, season uh, season two comes back on Sunday. But like, I mean, ooh. again, uh, it was just like there's um. I mean, look, there's, there's just some stuff in there that like, I just, I, I wish, I wish it had done better. Cause like, it's like, I, I just want TV shows, like have trust in the stuff they're doing well and not feel the need to like 
put add a soap opera element or add a add a traditional villain because that's what tv shows do but uh to get off my tv soapbox on this movie podcast still uh definitely watch sex education if you if if, if you like were wondering if you wanted to stick with it after watching the first two and the first two yeah. seasons are like very good also um, and also cast hunter schaefer in more movies please yeah like, I, I i yeah at some point like she like she definitely just like needs to do like more stuff like i mean like i I mean, she, I, I, she blows everyone off the screen every time she's on there, even with like Zendaya. She's just an incredible screen presence. It's one of those things where I'm just so excited to see where she goes with her career. Um, 100%, 100%. I definitely agree with that. Uh, John, anything else uh, you want to plug uh, Letterboxd, Twitter wise, anything like that? You can check me out on Letterboxd or Twitter. They're both uh, J L and then my last name, T U L I C E. Come say hi. And as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on both uh, Twitter and Letterboxd. And uh, podcast Twitter is at RewindMoviePod. Podcast email is RewindMoviePod at gmail.com. Coming up next, I think we're going to have an episode on licorice pizza and being the Ricardos with our friend Elijah. Then we're going to have one on Don't Look Up and the Tragedy of Macbeth with our friend Daniel. And after that, it's just going to be kind of like... Uh, I'll get to what I can as I like kind of round out the different things that are, you know, awardsy or things I just uh, wanted to talk about that might not be quite awardsy, but I just didn't get around to seeing until now. So we're going to be finishing up all the 2021 movies before we uh, jump into 2022 and hopefully like be safe, but like, you know, go support the movie theaters when you can in these uh, odd COVID times. So uh, thanks again to John for joining me. Thanks to all of you for listening and we will see you next time.